Hi FM 95.9. Sidebar every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. to Sidebar Cindy with me Cindy Sue Fansel on a Monday evening Afropolitans it is a doctor's appointment and tonight we're focusing on prostate cancer um, have you done your prostate cancer test I'll be speaking to Dr. Shingai Mutambirwa he's the head of department of urology at the Sifago Mahato Health Sciences University in Pretoria and I'll also be speaking to Tulani Sibisi a prostate cancer survivor and previous winner of the Two Oceans Marathon so do stay tuned for that because a conversation a day is exactly what the doctor ordered. Sidebar with Cindy. Every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. You're listening to Kaya FM 95.9, home of Afropolitan, with me, Cindy Sierfan Sale. On Sidebar with Cindy, it is a Monday, and every Monday evening we have a doctor's appointment. This is when you get an opportunity to, you know, call in. Um, speak to a medical doctor in a specific field and ask as many questions as you can, Afropolitan. So do take advantage of this by calling us on 86 Tonight's topic is prostate cancer. Um, we are focusing on it and I'll be joined on the show by Dr. Chushingai Mutambirwa. He's the head of Department of Urology at the Sifako Mahato Health Sciences University in Pretoria. And we'll also be joined by Utulani Sbisi. He's a prostate cancer survivor and he'll be sharing his story of how he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Um, such topics are important, Afropolitans, and as I said, do take advantage of this opportunity to call in and ask as many questions as you can. It is important for us to be screening um, for prostate cancer and this is your opportunity to ask questions. So before I start taking your calls, I'd like to welcome Dr. Shingai Mutambiro to the show. Dr. Shingai, welcome to Sidebar Cindy. Hi, Dr. Cindy. How are you? I'm good. Good to have you back on the show. Thank you. For such an important topic. So, exactly. So, Dr. Yeah. Shingai, I know that you're also the founding member of the Prostate Cancer Foundation of South Africa. Um, yes. And um, apart from being the head of Department of Urology at, at the SMU University in Pretoria, um, what what does the Prostate Cancer Foundation of South Africa do? I think one one of the important things is to remember that cancer, like you like you've said on many of your shows, is one of the leading causes of death, and we know that prostate cancer is the the, the most common cancer in men generally. Uh, lung cancer is the biggest killer, and you've had discussions about how smoking and things should be dealt with. But the thing is that. Basically, all cancers, I think we need foundations to assist with uh, education mainly. That's what the Prostate Cancer Foundation is mainly dealing with. Uh, we try to disseminate information about screening, particularly to uh, people who, are, who might not know about cancer. Mm. And uh, it sort of like helps to make sure that we, we, we promote uh, general good health as well as uh, uh, protection from cancers as well. And just going back to basics, I think it's always important to, to, to start off with definitions, not to assume that people know what we're discussing. So let's just start off with the basics. What is prostate cancer? Okay. Essentially, the prostate is a, a small gland. It's a, like a, it produces um, fluid, basically, which are surrounding the pipe for passing urine, which is also called the pipe for ejaculation, which is just below the bladder. And most of what a guy ejaculates is actually not sperm. It's less than 1% of what a guy ejaculates is sperm. Most of what's coming out is stuff made by the prostate in another gland called the seminal testicle. And because the prostate is sitting down there and it's producing um, a lot of things that are helping for fertility mainly, um, it, that actually is one of the places where people do develop cancer. Mm-hmm. And the biggest issue with it is that the prostate, uh, after the age of 14, every man, the prostate gets bigger. But as it gets bigger, it can do one of two things, essentially. One of them is that we can become what we call benign prostatic hyperplasia, which is the normal enlargement that everyone gets because of changes in our bloodstream and stuff. And most of that is uh, around the pipe for passing urine, and it can give difficulty passing urine, and then we need to put you on treatment or get things done. But the problem with prostate cancer is that most of the cancers develop on the outside part of the prostate. So mm. only once it's very advanced where you get symptoms, like, for example, difficulty passing urine, and uh, spread to, it usually spreads to bones, so you can get bone pain and stuff. And once it reaches that stage, basically it's incurable. You, you have like a five-year uh, survival of about 30%. The cancer, but if we pick it up early, we can actually it's about 90 95 percent curable. And how do we pick it up? Uh, essentially, we see you from the age of 40, uh, because particularly in South Africa, because um, black men are 
about five times more likely to develop cancers than their prostate cancer than white men. Uh, you need to get it checked from the age of 40. And mm-hmm. what we usually do is we do an examination check. We do a blood test called a PSA or prostate-specific antigen. It's a test which can pick up if there's a possibility of cancer. And we usually have to do what's called a digital rectal examination where we actually feel the prostate with the finger. It literally takes a couple of seconds. Mm. And if you pick it up, if we get if we do that from the age of 40, there's a pretty good chance you'll never die from prostate cancer and, uh, and you, you'll actually be a survivor. So, Dr. Shingai Mutambiru, have you seen prostate cancer in patients younger than 40? Uh, yes, we have. Uh, one of the issues, a uh, very good question. That the, the, the thing is that we know that um, black men particularly have a higher risk of prostate cancer, and we th- we we think it's a lot to do with genetics as well as the environment. We know that the genetics of breast cancer, like BRCA, breast cancer gene one and two, are related to prostate cancers as well. And we know that uh, younger black men are more likely to get prostate cancer. And so we do, we have seen a number of patients like that. I think that the important thing for guys is to remember that we as guys are, 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 are a disadvantage as far as, 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 as lifestyle goes because women are much cleverer than us. They mm-hmm. go to see their physicians five times more than guys. That's one of the reasons why they live three, five to six years or longer than men. Mm-hmm. We need to start taking control of our health. Uh, a good friend, as you know him, he, he, he passed from colon cancer. We have a, a, a bit of a pandemic of, of colon cancers amongst young black men as well. Mm. And I think if you remember that you can just, if just a couple of tests need to be done. And I would even encourage guys, especially if you have a family history of anybody who's had prostate cancer or breast cancer uh, in your first degree relatives, to get checked out probably from around the age of 35, to be honest. That's mm-hmm. not what the guidelines are saying. But as a general rule, if I do find a patient who has a problem, something similar to a family history like that, I would be more than willing to get the blood test. It's a really relatively cheap blood yeah. test, and the examination is pretty simple. Afropolitans, if you have just tuned in, you're listening to Sidebar Cindy. It is a doctor's appointment with me, Cindy Fansel. And tonight we're speaking about prostate cancer. Dr. Shingai Mutambira, head of urology at the Sifaku Mahato University in Pretoria, joins me on the show. And later on, we'll be joined by Utulani Sibisi. He's a prostate cancer survivor. And we, he'll, he'll be sharing his story of how he was diagnosed um, with, with prostate cancer. So, Dr. Shingai, let's speak about, um, you know, work. So, you know, you mentioned that, um, you know, women are, are more likely to be, you know, to, to pick up pathology early. And that's really because we interface with the health system, you know, more often than men do, you know, whether it's to do with um, reproductive health or, or other things. But we, we are more likely to go and, and, and see a doctor. So right. how, how have you um, and your team made it easier for men to be screened? I mean, and and I'm, I'll speak from an HIV perspective where, you know, we, we have some, some, some organizations have mobiles that go into the industrial right. areas and test people at lunchtime outside work. So um, has your department come up with something similar? Because, you know, most times men are just busy by a sebenza and they just don't have the time to go to the clinic. So how have you yeah. helped? Well, I, I'd like to debunk that myth of, of not having time. Literally, if you go to see your doctor once a year for a checkup, you get your blood pressure, your sugar, you get your rectal examination if necessary and get your blood test, you can take five, 10 minutes. And the thing is that there are so many outlets to do it. South Africa's got a very, a, a pretty good health system, to be yeah. honest, be it for private or for public. In fact, in private, the, the, the access and the treatments are actually probably better than any Western country. Mm, and in South Africa, true. and in public, we're the best in Africa, I can tell you that already. So if you have, if, if, if you decide to take care of your health, all you need to do is go to your clinic, be it the GP, be it the nurses at the clinic. They'll take your blood test. They'll do, they'll do your blood pressure. You just need to get the blood test. To be honest, I know a lot of guys are uncomfortable with the rectal examination. And although we as the Prostate Cancer Foundation do, and as, and, and as part of the Department of Health, do encourage you to have a rectal examination, you're probably not going to miss too many uh, prostate cancers without getting the rectal. So we did, we've done some studies uh, for the psychology of it, and I, we do know that that's one of the limitations. So if you really don't want to get the rectal examination, provided you're willing to take the chance that you might miss like 3 4% of the cancers, yeah. a, rectal, a, a PSA uh, blood test, which can be done at any clinic uh, for free, essentially, in South Africa, and uh, the medical aid will always pay for the majority of the uh, PSA tests in private as well. 
you get that done once a year, you're safe for the year, you can take it easy and relax. Okay, so let's speak about the digital rectal examination itself because for the longest time, um, you know, when you mentioned pr- prostate cancer, there'd be jokes about, you know, you know, having, having you having to bend over and your doctor sticking their finger yeah. up your up your rectum. Um, so maybe just talk the Afropolitans through um, what they okay. can expect if they have to have a digital rectal examination. Yeah, uh, the rectal examination literally takes like maybe two, three seconds. We put a, a, some gel on a glove and when we stick it gently into the anus uh, to feel the prostate. Now, I always tell my patients when they say they don't want it, that, listen, that's your decision, it's cool. But when you consider that females, if you remember breast cancer, African cancer, again, females is the commonest cancer. But in South Africa and most of Africa, one of the biggest cancers is cervical cancer, the bottom of the womb, Mm. cervix is the thing. And sorry, just to go off topic, please, anybody listening who's got a daughter who is around, is getting around the age of 11 to 15, and maybe also please do get the vaccine the HPV vaccine yeah 99% of cervical cancers are caused by HPV the vaccine is is super effective it's very good and it's one of the pet uh, projects that we are trying to involve ourselves now if you're considering cervical cancer what females have to go through is they put a a cold metal speculum inside the vagina and then they actually do scraping to try to see if there's cervical cancer takes a couple of minutes but women are more than willing to do this to protect themselves from dying from it. So for a guy to have a problem with a finger going in the anus for a couple of seconds is really a little bit illogical. But at the same time, as I said, if the guys are particularly uncomfortable and they're not willing to get that done, regardless of what we're saying today, then if you're willing to take the chance of the 4 or 5% that might be uh, of nasty cancers that we might not pick up on the blood test, then just at least getting the blood test should be is at least better than having nothing. So you, so, you, so you do have patients who flatly refuse to have the digital rectal examination <laughs> yeah. in spite of you presenting, you know, why it has to be done, why it's important. There are patients that just say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, 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 you, you know exactly. You, 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 we've all been involved in such things in that, the discussion. But again, it's not, we're not being patriarchal. We, we're, yeah. we, it, it, we're not trying to force patients to do things. We give them the information. The information is that it is useful, but it, they also at the same time, if they're willing to make that decision, that's perfectly reasonable as well. We can't force anybody to do anything. And I don't really, as I said, we, most of the data that we, we, we should, we, we have, we've, uh, we've uh, published between us and the University of California, is that it's only about 3 4%. So it's not, a ter- it's not the worst thing in the world, but you must accept the risk. Eight six double zero double zero nine five nine is the number to call if you have any questions for Dr. Shingai Mutambirwa, head of urology at the um, Sifakumahato University in Pretoria. Um, and later on, as I said, Afropolitans will be joined by Utrani CBC. He's a prostate cancer survivor. And it's a doctor's appointment tonight, and we're discussing prostate cancer. If you've missed some of the show, please make sure that you catch the podcast. It'll be uploaded tomorrow um, on kayafm.co.za, FM Rewind, and the podcast should be there. So, Dr. Shingai, what are some of the misconceptions people have? about prostate cancer? That's a brilliant question as well. I think one of the things that people think is that you're always going to find some symptoms or signs or some indication that you're having it so you can pick it up double quick, like if you go to your doctor after that. The fact of the matter is that guys particularly are a little bit dumb when we come to, to this. For example, a lot of my patients think that if you've got high blood pressure, you're going to feel get headaches and feel hot. That's mm. nonsense. We all know that you need to get a test done, but you need to go to your 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 practitioner. Uh, sugar. Oh no, that we're going to pee more, and that no, no, no. Sugar can have almost no. Uh, diabetes can have almost no signs. Mm. Needs to be seen by a physician. High cholesterol, which is the blood blood fat. There's no indications of it. There's nothing that you're going to pick up. And similarly, most cancers don't have significant symptoms until they're advanced. So prostate cancer, as I said, almost, if we're going to pick it up early and cure it, 90% of them, you need to have the test done. Otherwise, they're going to be spread by the time you find them. Similarly, uh, lung cancer, and please, I'm not going to pontificate, but the the whole thing of of smoking, I mean, we know that smoking increases the risk of essentially every cancer, and lung cancer particularly is is a big one. Colon cancer, there's almost no sign, zero, until you are 
spread as well. And that's why you need to get yourself seen. Usually have at least a, 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 a test on your stool to make on your 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 to make sure that you don't have it or have a look into the into the colon. You need to get seen. The only way you can pick up most cancers mm. is by being seen by a health practitioner. And it doesn't have to be a urologist. It doesn't have to be a, 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 a GPs, nurse practitioners. They're brilliant. They're actually excellent at doing it. It's a quick, simple situation. You're not going to have signs until you're basically dying. So please go and get yourself checked out. And um, I've, I mean, I, there's something that comes up on, on social media, you know, once in a while where they speak about the number of times um, that you, you masturbate and how that can, you know, reduce your risk of developing prostate cancer. So is that yeah. fact or is that fiction? I think it starts there. And if it is fact, I'm curious to know. <laughs> We're scientists. So we do, we do randomized trials and the randomized trials are pretty clear, yes, that there are a couple of things that can protect you from, uh, from ca- cancer, including prostate cancer. Uh, prostate cancer, particularly, it is, if you ejaculate between uh, six and a half times, some up to, to uh, per time per, per month, you are at a slightly decreased risk of developing prostate cancer. So the more sex the guy has usually, and it doesn't have to be with a partner, you can also do it for yourself. Mm. And it does decrease it. Mainly we think it's because of inflammation and things that are nasty in the prostate that we're emptying when you're ejaculated. Similarly, there's the story about uh, cooked tomatoes, not fresh tomatoes, but cooked tomatoes, because mm-hmm. uh, there's a chemical called lycopene, which is in the in, in cooked tomatoes, which do decrease the risk of prostate cancer a little bit. Uh, but one of the, the things, again, as scientists, we must remember that uh, we have to look at the biases and stuff. That, that trial, which was done on lycopene, was actually um, from uh, Dolman Sante, which is the biggest fruit and veg company in the world, and their biggest... Um, uh, celery is cooked with canned tomatoes, which are cooked tomatoes, and that's why they're, that's been promoted so much. What that didn't tell you is that if you if you're in Africa, melons actually have about a hundred times more than uh, tomatoes. So oh, okay. if you if that's what you're looking for, you can do that. There's also the fact that the, the one of the big issues that we have. I I always tell my patients the biggest killer is not uh, COVID or AIDS or cancer. It's actually stress. And we now know that we've done some data from uh, Italian groups and stuff that if you are put under stress, it's like a chemical. It releases chemicals into your bloodstream, which can cause you high blood pressure, sugar diabetes, and it can increase your your, your cancer of, of, of cancer. So the point is that you have to make sure that you get, get rid of stress. And I think, especially with this COVID thing, people are yeah. under so much pressure. So much. You guys, go and look. Look. Guys and and ladies and ladies, please go and look for, for help. The stress is not a Mickey Mouse condition; it's a massive issue. Can cause lots of problems. Also, just remember, vitamin D um, can be a little bit helpful, but most there's no real tablet that protects you. The most important tablets are no stress, uh, exercise. Exercise protects you from basically every cancer and most of the other conditions that kill us, uh, which are cardiovascular disease. And the, the exercise doesn't have to be much. It's again trial data. We know full well that you just have to do a little bit of high intensity uh, exercise. And by the way, sex is a form of exercise. It's good for your heart. So yeah. that's also an excuse. And then making sure that you're careful about your calories. And it's not so much about what you're eating. It's about the numbers yeah. of calories that people are taking. And, and uh, you've said this many times. It's just about taking general health will improve your chances of not having cancers and other uh, cardiovascular problems. We'll continue this conversation, Dr. Shungai Mutambiro, after this. Afropolitans, the number to call is 86 I'll be back after this. Sidebar every Monday to Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. on Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back to Sidebar Cindy with me, Cindy Siri Fansale. It is a Monday evening, Afropolitans, and it's a doctor's appointment. I'm talking to Dr. Shingai Mutambirwa. He's a urologist, head of urology at the Sifaku Mahato University in Pretoria, and also a founding member of the Prostate Cancer Foundation of South Africa. And tonight we're focusing on prostate cancer, and um, I've learned so much already, Afropolitans, so do make sure um, that you call in on 86 if you have any questions. The hashtags on social media are Sidebar at Cindy and KFM Talk, and of course the podcast will be uploaded on our website tomorrow. So Dr. Shingai, coming back to you, um, the signs and symptoms of, of prostate cancer, I'd like us to go through them, you know, in detail so that, um, you know, Afropolitans know exactly what to look for um, no, if they're concerned about prostate cancer. 
That's perfect. I think the short answer here is that essentially, if we want to cure your prostate cancer, you need to pick it up before there are any symptoms. So that's why you just need to go and see your physician. But once it starts to get bigger, it can start giving some difficulty passing urine. It can give some some blood in the anus and stuff like that. And and prostate cancer is particularly keen on going to bones, especially the lower back. And it can give you back pain. It can give you uh, problems with lungs. It can spread to the lungs and the liver and stuff like that. But the point is that we don't really want to be picking up at that stage. It's it's still treatable, by the way, even if Mm. it's spread in stage four. We still have lots of treatments, but we just put some fear for the guys so that they do go and see their physician. The treatment that we mainly use for cancer, for prostate cancer, which are spread, is that we have to get rid of the man chemical, the testicles, basically, and suppress the man chemical testosterone because uh, prostate cancers are dependent on testosterone. Mm. So, Essentially, you're going to be castrated if you have spread prostate cancer. So you don't want to get to that stage because if we pick it up early, there are lots of treatments that we can do, including sometimes do nothing. We just follow you up and just make sure because essentially, if you live long enough, you're going to get prostate cancer. But the point is some of them are not going to be nasty. But you don't know which one is going to be nasty and which one's not going to be nasty. Mm. So rather just get yourself checked out. We can then have a discussion about what's going on make a decision on whether we need to do treatment and if we do have to do treatments, the treatments are very easy. It's usually about either doing radiation to kill the cancer or removing the cancer. There are some side effects for some of the treatments, but the point is that most of them are, are treatable and used and we, they can still be, you can still have a perfectly reasonable life both uh, as, as, as a man and for uh, with, with your with family. Um, and um. How does prostate cancer affect um, your your libido? Um, libido. The, yeah, I think that's an important yeah. one. Okay, libido is basically um, the feeling of having sex, and sex is a very important thing. Please, guys, uh, another side side thing: if you're having problems with your your sexuality, be it erections or ejaculating too quickly or not feeling sex, please get yourself checked out. We know that uh, sexual dysfunction is actually a, a risk for heart attack, stroke, loss in limbs. You need to get it checked out. Now, the thing is that the prostate is, is the, most of what the guy is concerned about is his erection. And mm. an erection is basically just a lot of blood in the penis. It's just an increase in blood into the penis, into some spongy tissues, and then it doesn't let the blood come out. And the, in the main blood vessels that supply the spongy tissues that make the penis erect, which are called the corpora, are running right next door to the prostate. They're in, they're in intimate contact with it. So... If you have prostate cancer, first of all, it can affect the amount of, of testosterone. We know that low testosterone, which does happen after about the age of 30 in many men, is a predisposing factor for nasty prostate cancer. So if you're not feeling like having, you're not feeling like having sex, you've got issues, you should also get that checked out. Similarly, when we do do treatments for some types of prostate cancer, it can damage the blood tubes that take the blood to the penis. And that's why it should be picked up early because, if, as I said, if we pick it up early, you in about half of the patients, you won't even need any treatment. So there will be no mm. damage. But even if we do get damage to these blood tubes and there's issues with testosterone levels, and testosterone levels, the big thing, they're actually involved in heart attacks and stuff if you have low testosterone. Uh, you need to get it checked out, and it's not just directly related to prostate cancer, but it's related to your general health. And just as a, because we've got a bit of a, an epidemic of diabetes in South Africa, and again, that's based a lot on calories and, and, and uh, you know less exercise. But we know that at least eighty percent of guys who have diabetes have low testosterone, decreased libido. They're going to have mm-hmm. sexual problems. They're also going to get problems with heart attacks and. As I said, you are more predisposed to nasty prostate cancer. So just get yourself checked out in general. 86 is the number to call if you have any questions for Dr. Shingai Mutambirwa. We have Matla on the show. Matla, welcome to Sideboard Cindy. And what questions do you have for the doctor? Good evening um, and good evening to the doctor. Um, I just want to quickly find out, um, I hear the whole... Uh, um, presentation around prostate cancer. Um, is there a link between uh, prostate cancer and testicular cancer? If the doctor can elaborate on that and what signs one needs to look out for in terms of uh, testicular cancer. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for that. And that's an absolutely brilliant question as well. And that is part of the Prostate Cancer Foundation. It's not just about prostate cancer. We also deal with uh, general men's health and testicular cancer. And that's a, a, a brilliant question. Test, the testes are the commonest site for cancers in, in men below the age of 39. So in other words, um, from around the age of puberty, usually, or even younger, the testicular cancer is the commonest. The good thing about testicular cancer is that it's what we call the poster boy for cancers. Mm-hmm. 95% of them will, are curable, but you still want to get it early so you don't have to go through chemotherapy and stuff like that. And testicular cancer is... Uh, not, it's not a common cancer. It's not a common, far, far less common than prostate cancer in general. Mm-hmm. But the point is that the guys around, at any age, if you feel something funny around the scrotum, your testicles, around the side, then you should get it checked out. But the majority of lumps and bumps that are in the scrotum are actually not in the testicle. They're actually on the side of the testicle, and that's called peritesticular masses. Most of them are not cancers. They're usually things called like spermatoceles or adenomas, which are not cancers as a general rule. But if you have a lump in the testicle itself, which you can pick up from checking yourself once in a while, or even your partner can pick it up because often they'll be able to feel it better than you, Mm. then you should get it checked out. Uh, We usually do something called an ultrasound, which is like a sound wave thing that picks up and it's about like 100% accuracy. If we do find it early, it usually doesn't require anything more than just removing a bed of the cancerous lump. Even if it's spread, it's usually, as I said, 95% of the time curable. And the but the thing is that one of the good things for at least in, in, in Africa is where we do know that uh, unlike with prostate cancer where black guys are far more likely to get cancer more likely to die from it yeah uh, we're about ten times less likely as black guys to develop testicular cancer and we're and so it's much less likely that we're going to have a problem but the thing is it's a very important question there's no direct link between prostate cancer and testicular cancer there are some, obviously there are some genetic underlying things that's not really that important mm. but if you've got a patient with that testicular cancer the biggest issue is that often they are put on radiation and chemotherapy that predisposes you to heart disease and it also de- increases your risks of other cancers as well so you do need to get yourself checked a little bit better but it's not there's no direct link between testicular cancer and uh, prostate cancer for the average listener out there there are some minor conditions which i'm not going to get into today okay um thank you for that that is a, a, a great answer and and so you mentioned that it's important for for people to check um check their testicles um so you know we taught how to do the breast self-examination you know hands be, hands behind your head and so on and check the four quadrants of the breast is there a specific way that um you know men should be checking their testicles and if you know and and, and how often uh, is it a monthly thing every two months how often should they be checking okay again uh stress biggest thing. I don't want people going out there thinking every minute that they've got an issue. I've got patients who come in every month for a PSA test. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. Let's relax, first of all, because you're also going to be damaging yourself, increasing your cancer. What needs to be done is if you find something unusual, because remember, testicular cancer almost never causes pain as well. And that's exactly why it has to be checked out. It's just like prostate cancer. It almost never causes pain until it's spread. So, if you find something unusual, there's something weird going on, don't take it lightly. If you find there's a lump or you feel like there's a little bit of irritation, go and see your physician. They can check it out. You can usually pick it up for testicular cancer. The same thing with prostate cancer. Mm. But as I said, so I don't, we, there's some guidelines which are saying that for testicular cancer, you must check yourself once a month. I would not encourage that as a general rule. If okay. you feel something unusual, get it checked. If your partner, ask your partner, the plates, touch, see what's going on. Maybe they'll feel something. They're more likely to feel something than you because you, you're feeling it every day. Let them check it out. If somebody says, listen, if your partner says, listen, there's something unusual going on here, get it checked. Most guys will say, oh, no, you're talking nonsense. I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm doing well. We're having sex. Everything's going well. It's not like that. You need to get yourself checked out about once a year, but don't be doing it. Don't be getting stressed about how often you do these things. And that's so soothing. I, mean, I think I think we forget that sometimes when we share information, you know, we can push patients to start panicking 
and, uh, yeah. and and push them over the edge. And this is the last thing we need, especially during COVID-19. You want everyone to just be as happy exactly. as they can be as we plod <laughs> through this pandemic, Dr. Shingai. There's so much happening in life. Exactly. It's a vaccine, it's COVID, it's this and that. So that's very soothing that people mustn't people mustn't um, panic too much. Um, in yeah. terms of the treatment protocols, um, you know, for, for prostate cancer, I think let's start off with the treatment for, for, for you know, BPH. Um, BPH. Yes, okay. and then we'll move on to prostate cancer. Yeah, just to reiterate, um, every man's prostate after the age of 40 gets bigger. It's just normal because of changes in our blood and things, chemicals and hormones and stuff. And eventually, everyone's going to get a bit of a growth of the prostate into the pipe for passing urine, which is the pipe of ejaculation, which can give some difficulty passing urine. Most of the patients are going to have BPH, benign enlargement, which everyone gets. And most of the time, we, it's pretty easy to treat. We usually put you on some specific medications to relax the muscles of the prostate or make it shrink. And it works well. We sometimes have to do operations just to remove, not cutting. We usually use cameras and lasers and stuff to remove the part that's blocked. Pretty easy to treat. Mm-hmm. The problem is prostate cancer is not, the, the first symptoms are usually not with difficulty passing urine. They're usually, uh, they usually, they don't have symptoms. So again, it's about going to see your physician to check that out, um, the examination, the PSA, and uh, and the rectal. And then if you do that once a year, 95% of the patients are also going to be cured from that as well. So it's a pretty simple process, but it's just a matter of commitment. And I think that's where a lot of the prostate cancer foundation's job is. We're trying to encourage guys to understand, first of all, that there is some this condition. A lot of black guys particularly believe that they're less likely to have cancers, less likely to have heart attacks. Not true. We're all in the same boat. So let's just get ourselves checked out. And once we get ourselves checked out, uh, you basically are saving your life. 86 is the number to call Afropolitans. If you have any questions for Dr. Shingai Mutambirwa, Head of Urology at the Sifako Mahato University in Pretoria, and also founding member of the Prostate Cancer Foundation of South Africa. Dr. Shingai, so the treatment for prostate cancer, um, there's different stages of prostate cancer. So what are those stages and how would you treat each different, each different stage? Excellent, yeah. I think, first of all, guys uh, and, and everyone, all the, all the listeners, just understand that cancer is basically, for, for the purposes of the listeners, is based on one to four, um, stage one to one to four. Stage one means it's localized. It's not gone anywhere. It hasn't spread because usually when cancer spread, they actually go to something called lymph nodes or to bloodstream or to the lungs. Lymph nodes are these things that you get like a sore throat, you get like a little lump on the back of your neck. That's the lymph nodes. They just kind of stop things flowing around. Stage one for all, basically every cancer is completely curable. Mm-hmm. Stage four essentially is means that it spreads to other parts of the body. And once it spreads to other parts of the body, that's where we're trying to, we can't really cure it from almost any cancer, but we can give medications which sometimes will help. Now, essentially, when we, if we can pick it up early, stage one, maybe stage two, the treatments are basically three for, for the listeners. One is that we do nothing. We just follow the patient up. And about half of prostate cancers are Mickey Mouse cancers. We do some, there's even a push to, to try to make it, uh, to say that it might not even be a cancer. It's a, specific stage but the point is that we we it still can give problems so if we pick it up early you might do nothing we might just say okay let's just follow you up every couple of years we, we recheck you we do a blood test da, 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 and see and you're going to be fine if you if it's not the nice cancers which uh, and again that's an inverted commas um usually what we do is we either do um, there's a number of different treatments, but the main stay of treatment is to remove the cancer, what's called a radical prostatectomy, where we actually cut out the whole cancer mm-hmm. and uh, 95% cure if it's stage one. Um, or else we give radiation, either with radiation feeds or with what we call external beam, where we use uh, linear accelerators, there's specific machines that shoot radiation onto the cancer. Again, 95% cure. There are a few side effects, not much. You're probably looking about, uh, there's a slight, there's a chance that you might have difficulty, but some issues with your urination, wetting itself, that can happen in about one in five guys after the treatment. And there is a slight risk of developing uh, erection problems as well, probably around uh, one in 10 guys is gonna have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. 
but most of them are treatable. So that's not the issue. You shouldn't be worried about the sex or the, the, the urine problems. It's about getting itself picked up early so that we can decide on what treatments we do or not do, and then make sure that you uh, continue to live. Because remember, if you even if you get prostate cancer, it does take a long time for it to usually get to the point where it kills you. But if I you've see. got a good chronological age, in other words, you're living well, you look, you're 60, but you look like you're 50, mm-hmm. you've got another 40, 50 years ahead of you, we can. We don't want you to get to the point where you get to the, where you get metastases, where the cancers have spread to bones and done all these things, and now they're uncurable and they give you pain and all sorts of issues. You want to cure it before that. Oh eight six double zero double zero nine five nine is the number to call Afropolitan. If you have any questions for Dr. Shingamu Tambirwa, head of urology at the SMU University um, in Pretoria, and he's here to share his knowledge and expertise on prostate cancer. Very important topic. You need to be screening, um, especially from the age of forty going up. But um, you need to know what you're looking for, and you need to know what the signs and symptoms are. Um, and as we continue the show, Afropolitan, I'll also throw in a few questions around erectile dysfunction. I think we can't we can't have an expert on the show and not ask him about. That. So, Dr. Shingai, after the break, I definitely want us to have a discussion no around around erectile dysfunction, something that's very important um, to, no to, to, to discuss and to also understand um, for, for, for Afropolitans. And just in terms of support for someone that's been diagnosed with prostate cancer, um, what's the most important thing that, the, that family members can do? I think the most important thing is to be honest and just make sure that you, you really love somebody. You must tell them that they must get themselves checked out regardless. Unfortunately, um, one of, the, of our colleagues from the Prostate Cancer Foundation who's a, a, a patient, um, he hasn't been able to connect, uh, but he's, he's a, a two-ocean marathon winner. Yeah. And he's, uh, and he's, uh, he had, he's had prostate cancer. He's part of the foundation. He's on treatment. He's been doing well for the last almost 20 years. He does have some issues here and there. His cancer was picked up a little bit late, but the point is that he's still doing well. And I think it's about being honest with each other. You, most of us don't. We, we always sweep things under the carpet. That no, this guy's got a bit of an issue. He's, uh, he's not getting checked for ABCD. Just get yourself checked out once in a while. In South Africa, the health system is even in, in, in public is super, and that's my main job. It's super. We can yeah. get, you can get basically all tests done, and all you need to do is essentially once a year just get yourself seen by a, a healthcare practitioner. Get whatever tests are necessary. You don't have to do multiple tests most of the time. They're just one or two. And if you get that done, you're going to be saving your life because uh, we most guys. I mean, if you look, for example, at heart attacks and stuff, uh, and cardiovascular disease, strokes, and stuff. Fifty half of the guys and women who are are have a heart attack, stroke, or lots of them, or die from it. Are walking around perfectly normal, they feel fine, and then suddenly it just Something happens. happens yeah. And and that's where we have to stop it. We, if you can be picked up early, you can get yourself treated. You can prevent yourself from killing yourself. We'll continue the conversation after this and after the break. Afropolitans, I'll be discussing erectile dysfunction with Dr. Shingai Mutambira. Sidebar every Monday to Thursday from seven to eight p.m. on Kaya FM ninety-five point nine. We continue our conversation, Afropolitans, with Dr. Shingai Mutambira, Head of Urology at the SMU in Pretoria. And as I said before the break, that um, I, would, I was going to ask him about erectile dysfunction um, and, and just a few other things just related to, to men's reproductive health. So, Dr. Shingai, I think before we jump into erectile dysfunction, let's speak about um, you know, premature ejaculation and then lead into um, erectile dysfunction because these, to- these two topics are very important. I know that a lot of my patients come through um, with, with concerns, but the interesting thing is, um, when they do come through, that is not what they present as as the as the, the thing for the consultation. It's almost yeah. like you have to go round and round in circles no, until not. you eventually get to the you know to the issue. So so yeah, let's speak a bit about that. Okay, yeah, no, they call it the the the, the, the doorknob um, conversation where they've come in, they've discussed their blood pressure about about fifteen twenty minutes later, and then just as they say, oh. By the way, I'm not so good in the bedroom. I think for the healthcare professionals, remember that sexuality is a big part of everyone's life. Yeah. It's not too difficult to deal with male sexuality or female sexuality. Female sexuality is a bit more complex because women are more clever than guys again. But essentially for the average person out there, there are basically three things they should be looking at. One is the lack of feeling of having sex, decreased libido, which is based a lot on the man chemical testosterone.
on the hormone in our bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And it does go down from about the age of 30. It needs to be checked uh, through a blood test. It can be done just by feelings and taking things from the from the chemist over the counter. It, it, first of all, it doesn't really work. And if it really was working, it would probably kill you for various reasons because oral testosterone actually can cause uh, increased heart attacks and strokes and stuff. The second is if you are ejaculating too quickly and mm. that's called premature ejaculation. Um, we used to say that if it's you, if it would be based if you have uh, ejaculate uh, uh, before you penetrate or within 30 seconds of penetration, but we've now changed our opinion. It's more about whether you feel comfortable or not. Some, so some guys who are going on for five, ten minutes, by the way, guys, um, the average, the data from America, the average guy will ejaculate within about three and a half to five minutes after penetration. Mm. Not that, that they, I'm sure in Africa we're much better, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's not, it's not that long. And as a separate thing for, for uh, foreplay, because remember foreplay is a very big thing for, with your partner, mm. especially female partners. And only about 20% of females um, come from penetration alone. Uh, regularly, and it usually takes about 21 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. So, foreplay is super important as well. So, just continue. So, but premature ejaculation, we it's extremely common. About 80% of guys have it at some stage in our lives. We now know that the major reason for premature ejaculation is because of a chemical in the brain called serotonin, which is too low. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what we often do is off-label. We use uh, medications which can inhibit the serotonin but weren't designed for premature ejaculation and the most common is a form of antidepressant which, mm. uh, which can raise it but it's super treatable as well and about 20% 1 in 5 guys have what we call congenital premature ejaculation which means that you, from the first time you've had sex you've been ejaculating too quickly you've got a problem with your partner if it's bothering you by the way because don't worry if it's not bothering the partner that's not the issue it's only if you're bothering you and the partner both that that's an issue and then the third one which is the one that most guys are most concerned about is the erectile dysfunction yeah. where the erection doesn't work the best directions for guys between the ages of 18 and 22 and then after, after that, that we all start going down guys and all these comments in the bar where you're talking oh no I've been going for 20 minutes I, I, no, I, I, I do it 10 times a day most of that's rubbish guys so most of it is you must if you're uncomfortable with your erections, they're not working properly, remember that the main blood vessel to the penis is uh, a little bit smaller than the main blood vessel to the heart, which is a little bit smaller than the main blood vessel to the brain, which is a little bit smaller than the main blood vessel to the, to the leg. Now, be it sugar diabetes, be it cholesterol, be it uh, high blood pressure, all that is that's happening is that there's a damage to the inside coating and the skin coating on the inside of your blood vessels. Mm-hmm. They're causing damage to there and that's what's causing the problem. So it's not the sugar, it's not the blood pressure, it's not the cholesterol, it's the damage to the skin covering. And once the skin covering gets damaged, you get something called atheromas, which are like scars inside the blood vessels, which then can cause blockages of your blood flowing through there, which then can cause you to heart attack, stroke, loss of limb. And if the blood vessel to the penis which is slightly smaller than the one to the heart, is damaged, it's more likely you're going to get erection problems mm. before you get a heart attack, stroke, loss of them. So erection, sexual problems are not Mickey Mouse. You need to get them checked out. And if you do have erectile dysfunction, and by the way, everyone has failures, be it ejaculating quickly or feeling not like having sex or not having erection. It happens sometimes, but we usually like to assign like about three months continuous okay. having a problem. Then... You should be getting. You should get yourself checked out, and you should be getting yourself checked out anyways. And if you do have erectile dysfunction, it's very, it's relatively simple to treat because, first of all, you're going to protect yourself from heart attack. Most of the treatments that we use, including uh, the mainstay of treatment for erections, which is the, what we call the PD five, the Viagra, the Vitra, the Alice and stuff, they actually protect you from heart attacks because they're increasing, increasing the blood flow to not only your penis but also to your heart your brain and stuff like that. So the treatments will also help you. So if you have a sexual problem, don't hide it. Most of the data uh, from Australia particularly shows that the average guy who's had no erections will only see his physician after about five years. Mm. During during that five years, he's avoiding his partner. uh, He he has a man cave or something and he doesn't 
accidental at times, it's partners, it's on the other. No intimacy, it's dangerous. Sexual dysfunction is a big issue, and it's also an indicator of some types of cancers, including prostate cancer. We know that there is, as we said earlier, that the more sex you have, the less likely you're going to get nasty prostate cancer. And the treatments are also super important for protection, depending on what we're doing. And we don't want to get to the stage where you, we're actually going to get rid of the man chemicals to mess up your uh, feelings of sex. Uh, so get yourself checked out early. 086-00-00959. Always something new to learn with a doctor's appointment. And tonight is no different. Dr. Shingai Mutambirwa is educating us Afropolitans. Make sure that you listen to the podcast when it's uploaded um, tomorrow. Dr. Shingai, so um, for about three years of my life as a, as a general practitioner, I performed circumcisions, right? So there was a program that came into the country and we were encouraged to do voluntary medical male circumcision. And after some time, um, your patient started coming back and complaining of decreased um, sensation, um, problems with um, erection, and so on. Uh, did a bit of I did a bit of my own reading, and I realized that oh, actually maybe this is you know I, I, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. So I've I've stopped performing <laughs> circumcisions, and um, you know I I now maintain my stance is that circumcision is great if it's for medical reasons or for cultural reasons or religious reasons. But um, other than that, you know people must keep their foreskins. But that's me. So what are your thoughts um, around, um, you know, voluntary medical male circumcision? Um, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Okay. I'm, 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 I'm a disclaimer. I'm, the department, I'm, I'm employed by the Department of Health. So we do know that there is a, uh, a, a drive for male medical circumcisions, mainly for HIV. But then I'm going to take a step back to say that it's not compulsory for everybody. Circumcision is... Uh, Interesting. Actually, the, the, it was developed mainly in the. In, in, it was developed many years ago, but mainly in some of the Middle Eastern country, countries. Mainly because there's very little water in some of those in the Arab and uh, Jewish areas, and so they would, it was part for hygiene. Mm. So that's one of the things that is religious for some people, but it also can be for medical conditions, like if you if you can't retract the foreskin, which is not that common. But we're using it mainly for in South Africa because of HIV, because we do know that it does decrease the risk of HIV transmission to men, not to women, but mm-hmm. to men only uh, by up to 70%. Uh, but having said that, it's not the be-all and end-all. Still, general protective activities, using condoms, making abstinence, whatever necessary, is probably much better. But the thing is that it does decrease the risk a little bit for various reasons, mainly to do with some immune cells on the foreskin and stuff like that. But it it is part of the Department of Health plan. There are some controversies about it. For example, the the fact that the treatment for HIV is so, if you have HIV, then again, please get yourself checked. You can only get it checked if you get a blood test. Yeah. Or your, 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 your medical practitioner. It, you've got the same life expectancy as a guy or a woman who has is HIV negative if you're on adequate treatment. So that's one of the things. The second thing is that it, it does, some people say it makes you less likely to ejaculate quickly, better sex. It's really dependent on each person, and some people do have d- diminishing uh, sexual enjoyment from circumcision. So, I wouldn't say that everyone must get a circumcision. It's just as a matter of choice. You have to make a decision on what you think is the most important reason why you're doing it. Yeah. If you're doing it just because for HIV, that's fine, but it's not the be all and end all. Similarly, when it comes to sex, it can change things. Some people get more problems. And I didn't but believe the patients, Doc. I think this is what breaks my heart. It's a pity I can't sew back their foreskins. But when they came back and reported that things had changed, I, I just said, no, man, give it six months, you'll be fine. And six months yeah. later, the patient wasn't <laughs> fine. And a year later, the patient wasn't fine. So, mm. yeah, yeah. But let's take a call. We have Umusa on the line. Just, there's enough time for one more call. Musa, thank you for calling in. And what questions do you have for um, Dr. Shingai Mutambirwa? Hi, Doctor. Thank you very much for taking me in. I just wanted to have a question about the prostate gland enlargement um, because I suffered from that and initially I didn't know what was going on. Um, and for us, as just, it's not easy just to get um, a doctor to check up on you on that. So um, then the then urologist checked me and said it's a prostate gland enlargement. Due to the fact of how the exercise was done in establishing the head, I got a shock of my life, so I didn't go back ever after. So I just wanted to find out what causes it, 
um, what is it and how does one avoid it for um, future? Because um, it does come time and again. Initially, I thought that maybe it is, has to do with food that I take um, that could have some effect to um, trigger it. So initially, I just stopped eating certain kind of foods. But yeah, it was called prostate uh, gland enlargement. Okay, thank you How old are you? Sorry, sorry. Uh, now I'm 40. When I went in, I was, I will tell you, I was in my early 30s. And oh. I had suffered from it quite some time, probably from the early 20s. Um, but I didn't have an idea what was it. You know, it was just one of those pains that comes through and then you just ignore, you know. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting question because the point is that it's very unlikely this is the normal prosthetic enlargement that we're talking about. Remember, as I said, from about the age of 40, that's when the prostate starts to get bigger generally, and that's usually because of uh, there's lots of reasons. Again, the same things are called heart attacks and cancers also predispose you to this enlargement. And there are things you can do to prevent it, which are exercise, diet, doing all those things. What you're probably talking about is uh, something called prostatitis, which is an inflammation of the prostate. And uh, there's a condition which we call chronic pelvic pain syndrome, which unfortunately we don't really understand very well. It happens more to women than to men. Mm. When you get pain in the lower abdomen, and each organ can be involved. You can have vaginal pain. You can have prostate pain. You can have uh, pain in the testicles. You can have pain in the test in the penis. We don't know what the cause is. It's usually not life-threatening. It's not cancer or anything. But we, as I said, we don't really know what the cause is. So what we do is we usually assign it to uh, this chronic pelvic pain syndrome. We do have to exclude infections, cancers, various other things. But once that's done, we usually try to target the organ which is giving the most problems. And what the gentleman was probably talking about is that his chronic pelvic pain syndrome was mainly affecting his urinary system. And so he was probably put on treatment for prostates, like we use for prostates when and they get bigger, uh, which usually there are basically three types. There's one which is called alpha blocker, which relaxes the muscles of the mm-hmm. prostate. And then there's another one called the five alpha reductase inhibitor, which makes the prostate shrink. We use a lot of, lot of different things, but I don't think that's a specific, that's a slightly different condition. And I think uh, the biggest issue with chronic pelvic pain syndrome, be it prostatitis, salvadinia, problems with the vagina, it's that we don't know what the cause is. It's difficult to explain to patients. We don't mm. really know what to do most of the time. So my advice is if it's really giving you a lot of problems, maybe just get a referral from your comp, from your uh, treating physician to somebody who's got a special interest in it so they can have a discussion because it is a bit of a complex situation. But the short answer is that it's almost certainly not life-threatening. Well, thank you so much for that, Dr. Shingai Mutambira. Always great having you on the show. We always learn a lot. Um, no, and, thank you. Um, I, and as I said, Afropolitans, do make sure that tomorrow you, you download the podcast. Make sure you listen. There's a lot to learn from this show. Afropolitans, do stay home, stay safe. Kaisi Tuli coming up at 8 p.m. I'll be back tomorrow at 7. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.